Breakout pass. Carlson left wing shoots. He scores. William Carlson. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Now brought out by the Knights. Here they go. Left side the end mark. Put it out in front for Wah. Kick save. Rebound. Score. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in to Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace out here at T-Mobile Arena. We'll be joined by Darren Millard a little after 5 o'clock here today. Back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios is Chris Chapman, Finley Chevrolet, on the 215, home of the... Woo! That was a bit of a lackluster woo, Chapman. What's going on? Woo! I like how you didn't even answer the question. You just did it over again. Yeah, well, why not? That was well done. Yeah. So a lot to get to here on this uh, this VGK Insider Show leading into the pregame show in which I will preempt myself. It's always fun when that gets to happen. Uh, but for the Golden Knights, uh, there's going to be, I think, a lot of interesting questions going into this game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, who will be in the lineup? Who's going to be out of the lineup? Um, I don't think that we have a very clear understanding or a gauge as to what the Golden Knights lineup is going to look like here tonight however there will be quite a bit of a break after this game and you know for Golden Knights team that's coming off of a a lackluster performance on Saturday night against the Chicago Blackhawks uh, you're looking at this team and their ability so far this year to bounce back to find ways to get back into the win column after uh, a game that doesn't meet their standards so we're going to dive into that we're also going to get into Jack Eichel big news surrounding Jack Eichel and the Vegas Golden Knights today as well as Jack Eichel will get to uh, Jesse Granger here in just a few moments as soon as Chapman's got him ready to go uh, and then Darren Millard's going to come in uh, hour number two we're going to get one timers going in hour number two we're going to have uh, a lot to, to really di- di- dissect and get into as the Golden Knights take on the Toronto Maple Leafs a little after seven o'clock tonight so Right now we bring in a special guest host for at least the first segment, Jesse Granger with The Athletic. Uh, hey, Jesse, uh, how, how did today go for you? Pretty good, man. It was exciting to uh, see Jack Eichel out there on the ice. Obviously, he's been skating for a while, but his first time on the ice with Golden Knights teammates. Um, I guess in, in, in a long season like this, 82 games, you try to find things that are kind of out of the ordinary, something uh, – make you a little more excited to go to the rink today, and that was definitely one of those days today. So so on, on the topic of Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel skated today with the Vegas Golden Knights. It was a morning skate. It was optional. There weren't a ton of guys out there, but Jack Eichel was out there on the ice, non-contact jersey on, no real timetable as to when he's going to get back into a game. But, you know, for me, just getting to see Jack Eichel look a little bit like Jack Eichel, the, the, the one-timers from the, from the left circle that he was ripping with some, uh, some power play work, uh, it, it just was nice to see one of the best players in this league back on the, on the arena that, that, that he's known so much for. Yeah, for sure. From and, and even from a non-Golden Knights perspective, just yeah. as a as a hockey fan in general and as a person, I mean, it's cool to see Jack Eichel. He was smiling from ear to ear. Uh, we spoke to him afterwards. He said he hasn't stopped smiling all day. He compared it to a kid waking up Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. And more than anything, he's just glad to be back doing what he's done his whole life. I mean, this guy, 
from basically as far as he can remember. He's been doing nothing but playing hockey, hanging out in locker rooms, being on team buses, being on team planes, and those are things he hasn't done for almost an entire calendar year if you go back to his injury in Buffalo. And um, so, so now like Mark Stone said he isn't sure, but he does believe that Eichel will be traveling with the team. Now he gets to do those things, not just be on the ice with teammates, which is obviously the, probably the most exciting part for him, but just being around the team, integrating himself into the Golden Knights team, getting used to how the team plane works, how the team bus works. Mark Stone mentioned that that's kind of different on every team, and he remembers that being something he had to get used to when he got traded to Vegas. So Eichel will be able to get all of those kind of uh, clerical bumps and bruises out of the way. By the time he gets to actually be on the ice, he'll be ready to go. So you think that that puts him ahead of the curve there? I think it should. Um, I, like, I think we underestimate how much – impact the real life stuff can have on guys when they get traded. I think some guys get traded somewhere and they just immediately pick up right where they left off. And some guys, it takes them longer to adjust to that stuff. Mark Stone today, I thought he was pretty, uh, pretty honest when, when answering that he, he, he said, man, it took me some time to get used to the way this team operates, the way you do things on the road. And when you don't have to think about those things, when they're already comfortable, say, say Jack Eichel goes on the next few road trips with this team um, while he's not able to play by the time he's ready to go and go on his first real road trip and play that's just a whole thing uh, a whole set of things off his plate that he doesn't have to think about that he's already used to doing that can allow him to just focus on the hockey jesse granger with the athletic joining us here as we break down all things golden knights and especially jack eichel chris chapman yeah you know it's funny that 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 was a subject of conversation because i don't think it's something that we would think of, but, uh, you know, as far as expectations, I think there's going to be a lot of expectations on this team, Jesse. So how do, how, how do we kind of temper those expectations? Because obviously there is going to be an adjustment period with, with Eichel's play on the ice, who he's playing with, who he's going to get, have, have to get comfortable with. So I guess how do we kind of maybe not set the expectations in the bar so high right away, where if there is a little bit of an adjustment period, people aren't so angry. Yeah, I mean, I think... There, there probably isn't a fan base, a reporter base, uh, a team that is more prepared to temper the expectations than the Golden Knights and their fans and us media covering the team. And it's because we've gone through this before, right? The team traded for Max Pacioretty. It took him a while to look like Max Pacioretty. There was a lot of concern. Oh, did they just trade Nick Suzuki and all these picks for Max Pacioretty, and he's suddenly not the goal scorer he was in Montreal. And then finally, eventually, he did get to that point, and he's been their best scorer for the last two years. Um, Mark Stone, not quite as slow. He kind of came in and was good right away. But just last year, you saw Alex Petrangelo come in, and for the first half of that regular season, he was not the game-changing playmaking defenseman that they have since seen him become here in Vegas. Um, there was a lot of concern. Did the Golden Knights just give this guy who's over 30 all the seven, this seven-year deal, and he's suddenly not going to be the, the same guy? But he eventually got to that, and this year, I'd argue he's been the best player on the entire ice for the Golden Knights. So I think Golden Knights fans have been through this before. I think if, if Jack Eichel doesn't look like the, one of the top three centers in the entire world, right off the bat after not playing for an entire year. Because not only is he switching teams like Pacioretty and, and Petrangelo did, he's doing it after not playing hockey for a year. So um, he's got a lot to, to overcome. I think it's going to take, take some time. But I do think that Golden Knights fans have been prepared for this um, because this team seems to trade for a superstar every year. You know, Jesse, when, 
when you left practice today and you were just kind of cluing in on Jack Eichel and, and you saw what he had to to offer in a in a limited basis, like that was not Jack Eichel at peak form. That was not Jack Eichel ready to go and ready to play tomorrow. Uh, but it was Jack Eichel getting himself kind of through a, a regular game day practice uh, in the NHL. What stood out most to you? Because a lot of people talk about his release. A lot of people talk about the skating stride. I would argue it's probably more the release right now than it is the skating stride. Am I right in that? Yeah, 100% right. Um, I think it's hard to judge him off of his skating. He was kind of yeah. just kind of just cruising around out there, which uh, hard to blame him with everything he's been <laughs> through. He was just kind of cruising, but he did. Um, he did look a little gassed towards the end. He hung out afterwards, and props to him for, I mean, his first day on the ice with teammates, and he's already staying after and putting in the extra work with Logan Thompson. He was getting a bunch of work in, not just for himself, but he was shooting through. Um, I sent a video of him shooting through those pads that they use to screen the goalie's vision. So he was, get, he was out there getting Logan Thompson some extra work, too. And he was gassed at the end of that. Like, you could tell that this is a guy who has not been through a hockey practice with other players and having to keep up in a while. Um, so there's that. And, but then, like you said, the release, uh, it was definitely there. He's, I wrote about it when, he, when the Golden Knights first traded for him, and I watched a lot of film, a lot of goals he scored. But I, don't, I haven't seen it in person up close like that in practice um, very much. And to me, the thing that impresses me the most about his release is there's just no tell that he's about to shoot the puck. He, he stands very upright. He doesn't bend over as much as most players. He uses a longer stick than you would normally see a forward use, and that allows him to stand up straight. Most guys, when they're about to shoot, they really lower that front shoulder. They kind of lean into it, and you can see that a shot is about to come, especially if it's a hard shot. But with Eichel, the way he holds the stick up high, the way he stands, he's kind of just, you see him cruising towards the net, and then suddenly the puck's in the net. And, and it, it happened to Logan Thompson a couple times today. And, yeah, I mean, you saw it. Even, even without having uh, with players in a long, long time, he still had that release. He was ripping them. He was making it look very effortless the way he does. Um, very encouraging if you're a Golden Knights fan. You know, Jesse, and then you, you look at kind of the idea of Jack Eichel, and we'll get into philosophy in a moment when it comes to where he should play at 5-on-5. Five five. Uh, but one thing you know is Jack Eichel will be on the top power play unit for this Golden Knights team, and you know that even if Jack Eichel isn't Jack Eichel right out of the gate, the one thing I, I think that we can all kind of agree on is you put him in that left circle with that open shot, and, and if he gets a one-timer, he's going to be able to help out this power play. Uh, just from from that perspective, like how important is it going to be for this Golden Knights team to have two options that are not afraid to shoot the puck on the power play if it goes Pacioretty opposite Jack Eichel? Yeah, it should be huge. We saw, I mean, it's, it's very, very early on. Um, we don't even know if Pete DeBoer himself has decided where Eichel's going to play on the power play and, and what role he's going to be. But I found it interesting that one of the first drills he did was he went over, and there weren't a lot of power play guys on the ice today because it was optional, but he went over to the corner with uh, Kolasar and Dodonov. Dodonov went in front of the net, his normal bumper spot. He's waiting for that one-timer from that pass from below the goal line. And Eichel took his spot on the left half wall, and he was kind of passing it back and forth between Dodonov and Kolasar and taking some one-timers. It looks like that may be the role they're going to expect him to be in. And like you said, with Max Pacioretty on that right circle, you, we saw how big of a difference that made. When he, he was out for a while, he came back into the lineup, and he can single-handedly give you some success on the power play, even without great puck movement, because he just shoots it so well that it, 
he is his own weapon all on his own. Mm-hmm. I think teams started to shade towards him. They're starting to, to kind of – they've got their box, but the box is lopsided, and it's lopsided towards Max Pacioretty. Do not let that guy shoot. Well, if you put Jack Eichel on the other circle, suddenly you can't do that. You can't open up that ice because not only can he one-time it and can he shoot like Pacioretty does, he'll drive the net. He will, if you give him space, he will take – he will – drive to that net, and he's got the hands to finish in tight, something that not a lot of Golden Knights forwards do. So I, I think he adds a lot to their power play, um, both in his ability to draw some attention away from Max Pacioretty, but also you hear we've heard Pete DeBoer say a lot this season, um, we're not attacking the holes enough. We're, 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 the defense is giving us space, and we aren't taking it. And I, to me, that's what Eichel does best, maybe that the Golden Knights are lacking. I think he can really give them some help in that category. Jesse Granger with The Athletic joining us here as we talk all things Jack Eichel, who returned to, or for the first time, practiced with the Vegas Golden Knights, but returned to the ice after a long, long time out. And we're going to continue along this Jack Eichel thread here for a moment, but I do want to just provide a quick update. The Golden Knights did tweet out just a few moments ago, Shea Theodore, Nolan Patrick, and Nicholas Waugh have entered the NHL's COVID-19 protocol. The Golden Knights have recalled Jake LeCision, Jonas Ronbjerg, and Daniil Miramanov. So from the looks, no Shea Theodore, Nolan Patrick, or Nick Waugh available tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That is a hit for the Vegas Golden Knights depth, and we will get into that as this show progresses. But let's go back to questions. Chris Chapman. Yeah. um, So now that the realization is kind of setting in for other teams in not only the Pacific Division, but the Western Conference, are are they going to start to panic a little bit? Because we now see Edmonton maybe kicking the tires on a a, a former San Jose Shark. Just say uh, his name, Chapman. Evander Kane. Okay. Uh, Colorado seems like maybe they're not going to stay pat. They're going to have to go out and do something. So as we get closer, are we going to see other teams in the Pacific and and more specifically the Western conference go out and try to make moves to counter what the golden Knights have done. Uh, Yeah, probably. I mean, it's always an arms race and, and we kind of usually don't really ramp up to that until the trade deadline. It's going to be interesting to see, obviously the golden Knights are going to have to make some sort of move to get Jack Eichel um, in the lineup. If he, if he comes in the lineup before Max Pacioretty comes back, then you can delay it until Pacioretty comes back, but eventually they will have to make a move. Um, I do not expect Max Pacioretty's injury to, to keep him out for the rest of the regular season. So at some point, they'll have to do something. And I think maybe that's where these teams, um, these teams that are looking to add guys to the Golden Knights are going to have to trade someone for less than market value because of the salary cap position they're in. Um, one of these teams may be waiting for that. And I also think you, you, if you're those teams, you want to see how the Golden Knights look with Eichel. They're going to lose somebody um, in this. It it may hurt their depth. It may not. You want to see how Eichel fits in. If suddenly Jack Eichel comes in and is just immediately scoring goals and this team is first place in the conference and is just steamrolling people, um, yeah, I think the Avs and and teams like the Wild that are hoping to compete for for a Western Conference championship, I think they're definitely going to have to make a move. Um, And Edmonton, you mentioned them. I think they've got a lot of good pieces. They could use a goalie. Um, There was a goalie here in (laughs) Vegas the other night that is on a team that is definitely not making the playoffs. If I was the Edmonton Oilers GM, he'd already be there. I'm not sure why he isn't. But, yeah, there are a lot of moves that these other contenders can try to make to, uh, (laughs) to try to keep up with the Golden Knights in this arms race. All right, Jesse, last one here on Jack Eichel, then we'll switch gears a bit, talk about this uh, this homestand for the Golden Knights, talk about this game tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But philosophically speaking, 
Should Jack Eichel and Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty be a line for this Golden Knights team, or do you split them up in some form or fashion because you want to ha- create two really dynamic offensive lines? Yeah, I think we've, we've said before, I think it, it, we should, they should split them up. I think Jack Eichel can drive a line, and I think Mark Stone can drive a line, and I think you're getting a diminishing return for your investment by putting them both on the same line because they could help other players elevate their games if they played separately. And I think Mark Stone, like I said, I don't, I don't even know if Mark Stone knows what line Jack Eichel will eventually be playing on, but I do think that there have been conversations with the coaching staff and the players, and they're trying to figure out the best way to do this. And I think Stone kind of gave us a little bit of a glimpse into what those conversations are like. I asked him, uh, or sorry, it wasn't me. It was somebody else on the call. I can't remember who, but they asked him, how much is your game going to change because of the addition of Jack Eichel? And he basically said, my game's not going to change at all. But then he went on to say, Jack can drive a line on his own. And I think this is really going to help our depth. And I think it's going to give other teams matchup problems. And while he didn't flat out say it, I think that kind of leads us down the path of when the players and Pete DeBoer are talking about hitting Jack Eichel in this lineup, I think Mark Stone feels like he and Jack are going to have their own lines, and it's going to be two really, really dangerous top lines that you can't really discern between which one is the first line and which one is the second line. Um, Just kind of reading between the lines of Mark Stone's comments today, I think that's the direction they're leaning. And, I mean, it it makes sense on a lot of different fronts, but when you factor in that that – you know, if you if you load up, right? If you load up Patcheretti, Eichel, and Stone, then you're going to see the opposition's best defenders. You're going to see the opposition's best shutdown line, and you're going to have to outperform that. But if you are able to split up Patcheretti and Eichel and Stone, and I, I don't mean all three on three separate lines, but I'm talking about if, if you want to go with with say Eichel and Patcheretti, and you want to have Stone with Stevenson and Dodonov, like that's going to create some issues for other clubs to try to match up with. Totally, and the fact that they've got the misfit line with Carlson, Marshall, and Smith, yeah. they've proven to be so defensively reliable that you can use them as your shutdown defensive line, and then try to get positive matchups for yourself with the other two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the, the, the way like as, as I'm viewing it from from my perch here, like that's kind of the, the way that I feel like um, the, the roles are going to morph over the next three, three, two to three months. Like, I think that you're going to have two clearly defined. These are our offensive lines. These are the lines that are going to go and give us the most output. And then you're going to have one line that is just a shutdown monster that you know you could put out there against the McKinnons the Rantanins you can put out there against the Ryan O'Reilly's and come out on the positive definitely and and not only can that misfit line be the shutdown line but Mark Stone is a is single-handedly yeah. a shutdown line in himself <laughs> um, he showed that he showed that last year against Colorado and and if Jack Eichel's on a different line so Stone he's not worried about getting skunked he's not worried about do I if I can just shut down Nathan McKinnon in this series, we're going to win because we have Jack Eichel on another line and they don't. All right, Jesse. So like, let's let's talk about the homestand right now for the Golden Knights. They're two, two, and one so far on the homestand. They've had some really dominant games: the the Anaheim game, the the New York Ranger game. Those two come to mind for me. Uh, some some pretty lackluster performances. Uh, obviously, we're talking about Nashville and Chicago. Like. How do you how do you view how do you how do you view or assess this uh, this the, the first five games of this eight game homestand? 
Yeah, I think it's overall been pretty disappointing if you're the Golden Knights. I think that they had a, obviously that fantastic road trip where they went 4-0, and then you have this big, long homestand with, with, a, with some games postponed that make it even longer, and, and I think they expected to take full advantage and really create some space in the standings, and that hasn't happened. Um, it's, to be honest, they've been disappointing at T-Mobile Arena all season this year. It's, it's kind of strange. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to write about that tonight. It'll depend on what they do against the Maple Leafs, but they, this is definitely the worst they've played at home um, in comparison to their road record in all five seasons here in Vegas, and, and it's not something we're used to. I mean, T-Mobile Arena is one of the best, if not the best, atmospheres in all of hockey, and they have taken full advantage of that for four seasons. They've had one of the best home records in all of the NHL. And this year, it hasn't been terrible, but it hasn't been their usual spectacular home self. So um, it's something Pete DeBoer has mentioned several times, saying he wants to reestablish that home ice advantage. They think that's important. So um, that another chance tonight. This is a team that is very, very good, a team that beat them pretty badly when they played them up in Toronto. So this is a chance to kind of try to establish that. On the idea of the home record, like, is it easy enough to say early on in the year that the Golden Knights were playing shorthanded? They, they had a lot of guys that were difference makers not in the lineup. Like, Is it as simple to say that, that that could be one of the reasons they have not been as dominant, as good at home? Or is this more or less what you're seeing recently in, in, the, in the inability to really take advantage of the first five games of this eight-game homestand? I think it's a season-long thing, and, I, and I, I, I won't really give them the excuse of the injured players, and the reason is because even with those same players out, they've been playing great on the road. Yeah. Their, their record on the road is really, really good, so, and that was without a lot of those players. They were missing the same guys at home as they were on the road, so um, I'm not really sure why it is. It could be, to be honest, I think it could just be um, this, their season will be judged on the playoffs. And, and at times, the early season can get monotonous, and these aren't the most important games ever. And I think that, part, that could partially lead into it. But uh, I do think it's something that if it continues, it's got to be concerning because this team has had great home ice advantage. It helps them in the playoffs. Um, they've they've kind of had that from the very beginning, from day one. And if they don't have it, that's a weapon that, they, that they're not utilizing. So, for now, it's not too big of a concern, but I think if it continues, it definitely will be. Yeah, Jesse, I want to ask you about something Zach Whitecloud said this morning because he 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 was asked about the the tributes in the the previous week, and he said it really wasn't a distraction. Are you buying that? Because I'm I'm not so sure that that that's the case. Because it certainly seemed like at least on Saturday night that the team wasn't there mentally. Um. Yeah, I think. Well, Pete DeBoer had a great comment after that Chicago game, and he said there are different levels of desperation in this league on a nightly basis, and there are different things that bring out those levels of desperation. And then he went on to list three different reasons that a team could be desperate, and all three applied to the Chicago Blackhawks. He said a player returning to an old team, obviously flurry. We all know about that. He said a team that's coming off of a losing streak and a team that's coming off of a blowout loss. And the Chicago Blackhawks had lost six games in a row, with the last one being an embarrassing defeat, and I'm being embarrassing, to the, to the uh, Arizona Coyotes, who are the worst team in hockey. So I think you put all those together, and it's, I think it's tough to tell, like, was it a lack of desperation from the Golden Knights, or was it just the Chicago Blackhawks wanted to win that game for Marc-Andre Fleury so bad that their effort made the Golden Knights look lackadaisical in comparison? I think it's probably a little of both. 
Um, but yeah, I think to me, I lean more in that game. I lean more towards it was an outstanding effort by an undermanned Chicago team that was clearly not as talented as the Golden Knights. Um, more so than I do lean towards the Golden Knights just didn't show up in that game. All right, Jesse, where's the level of desperation in blowing a 4-1 lead to the Colorado Avalanche and losing your last outing like the Toronto Maple Leafs did? <laughs> yeah, the Leafs, the Leafs, their season is, I mean, it feels like it's been a roller coaster, right? I, I feel like this team, and maybe it's just because they have so much media covering them and there's so much attention, but it's felt like a real roller coaster for them. Um, they're a real talented team, and they, they've got a lot of offensive skill. They don't defend as well as they should. Um, it should make for an exciting game tonight. I expect them to be desperate, but I also, after a showing like the one against Chicago and, and overall just this homestand hasn't been as good as the Golden Knights would like, I expect a big showing from the Golden Knights tonight. So, like, when it comes to Toronto, I, I, like, we spend a lot of time talking about Matthews. We spend a lot of time talking about Tavares and Nylander, and rightly so. They are dynamic fantastic offensive players but you know the, the guy that I'm going to highlight going into this game isn't isn't anybody up in the forward court for the Toronto Maple Leafs it's been Jack Campbell like he has been an absolute stud for this team and it's cooled a bit of late however it, it's gone from pretty exceptional to pretty dang good like are you surprised at how well Jack Campbell has played so far this year um yeah a little surprised I mean I I thought he would be a good goalie I was kind of not questioning their decision to move on from Freddie Anderson, but I didn't think it was a slam dunk. I thought, man, this could really backfire on you. Like, he hasn't been the best goalie, but he's also been a at least above-average starting goalie for this team, and he's taken him to the playoffs several times. So it was a risk to, to let him go and go with a guy who had less experience. But to this point, it's been the right choice. Campbell's been amazing. Um, I think early in the year his statistics were so good, and I was kind of – I'd watched the games, and, and my eye test told me he's good, but not this good. Um, but he's gotten better and better, and I think the statistics have started to kind of even out. But he's still – when I watch Toronto games, he makes a bunch of saves. I mean, he's, he's a really good goalie. I think he's, he's turned into one of the, I don't know, top 15 goalies in the league uh, kind of overnight. Does anything matter in the regular season for the Toronto Maple Leafs? No. <laughs> They're just like the Golden Knights. I mean, if you miss the playoffs, everyone's getting fired. Um, but it's to me, this they're a team just like the Golden Knights that has had very high expectations for several seasons, and they've done nothing but add talent to their team during that span, just like the Golden Knights. And you're expected to to go on a very deep run, if not win at all. And um, you can't do that in the regular season. You've just got to get there. So the Maple Leafs, if it, it, I think they have a very similar mindset to the Golden Knights. It's all about the process. It's getting this team finely tuned as best they can to prepare for a playoff run where they're, they need, and like even like the Golden Knights haven't gotten it done, but they've gotten deep into the playoffs. The Maple Leafs have not. They have failed miserably in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think this team, there's not much they can prove in the regular season. It's going to come down to uh, what they do in April and May. Jesse Granger with The Athletic joining us here. We've kept Jesse longer than we uh, agreed to at the at the top of the hour, but I, I do want to get just one more out of the way here, and and really it's to highlight you and, and the work you did. Uh, fantastic piece on the human element, uh, the stories that go beyond where where Robin Leonard stands on on mental health. I, I thought that your piece uh, earlier this week or was just fantastic on on just kind of highlighting the the impact that Robin Leonard has, not just in, in terms of being an advocate, but really. Uh, 
just you know in in bringing the the conversation to light surrounding mental health in this country um your your standouts or your your main thoughts from writing that piece and, and really what stuck stuck with you there yeah it was it was a really rewarding piece to report on and write um I, I had a lot of people, I spoke to a lot of people who have been impacted by Robin Weiner. I, I intentionally went into this story not interviewing Robin. It's like, let's try to tell this story from the view of the people who he's helped. Um, some of them he knows he's helped. He's, he's talked to, he's had personal conversations, met. And, and I had people that told me just how caring and how, how genuinely interested in them he was. Like a lot of fans meet athletes and it's kind of a, hey, thanks for being a fan. Let me sign an autograph. Um, Robin Leonard was asking these people, like, what have you been through? What, like, like, what kind of medications are you using? He's comparing things with them. Like, what, what, can I, what can I use my experience to help you? And that really, that blew me away. And then there were other people that haven't ever met Robin Leonard. They've never spoken to him, but he still made just as big of an impact on their life through um, the stories he's told, the, his vocality publicly about mental health and kind of proving that someone with that has dealt with mental health issues can still be very successful. I think that helps a lot of people. And then there's the attention he brings towards Same Here, which is a mental health organization that he works with. He's obviously got it stitched on his pads and he's got it painted on his mask. And a lot of people have been driven to that organization through Robin Leonard. And that organization's helped them a ton. And they kind of take the thing that stuck with me about Same Here is um, they, they always say every mental, every mental health organization says one in five people has mental health issues. And Eric Cusin, who runs the same here, he does not like that phrasing because he thinks it puts people into categories and there yeah. are 20% of people that have issues and 80% that don't. When in actuality, we're all kind of dealing with it. It's, it's just like physical health. Like some people are in great physical health. Some people aren't. They're in between. Everybody goes through ups and downs. Sometimes you're in great. And it, the same thing happens with mental health. And I think that mentality is a great one to have. I think it allows people to admit when they need help. I think it makes it easier to get help. And I think if that happens as a society, we're going to be doing a lot better. So yeah, I've learned a lot um, through this story. Um, it, was, it was, like I said, very rewarding to report on. Uh, Robin Leonard does a lot of great things with the things he says and the, the fact that he's not afraid to uh, admit that he struggles with things too. Yeah, it breaks down barriers. And Jesse, you should be really really proud of the piece it was important reporting and just a well done well thought out uh piece of journalism buddy i i appreciated the fact that i was able to read that and uh and learn a little bit more about some of the people that robin leonard has helped personally thank you man i appreciate it that means a lot all right buddy well we're gonna let you get out of here again we we appreciate you jumping on here and uh, spending a few minutes with us discussing all things golden knights all things jack eichel uh robin leonard and uh and this homestand uh before we let you get out of here though uh, what's your thought on tonight's game uh you have a key or a night to shine or just a prediction here for vegas and toronto yeah i don't i don't have a key or a night to shine but i'm interested in seeing how the defense handles it um they, we, like you just said Shea Theodore out in COVID protocol. Um, they're already missing Nick Hague and Alec Martinez, who have been out with injury. Um, we're going to see a patched together blue line here tonight, and it's against a team that you do not want to be playing with a patched up blue line. They, like you said earlier, they have so much offensive, just explosive, incredibly skilled forwards on this team in Toronto. So um, to me, the key, I guess, is Golden Knights forwards are going to have to back check. They're going to have to help those defensemen out. And the defensemen that are in there, however they're paired together, are really going to have to show up tonight and play 
um, above their talent level. Petrangelo, this is going to be a big night that they lean on him. I think I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how this blue line with the pieces they're missing can handle a really tough uh, Maple Leaf squad. All right, Jesse, enjoy the game. We'll chat with you soon. Thanks for jumping on, buddy. Thanks for having me. That is Jesse Granger with The Athletic. Uh, a big thanks to Jesse for jumping on, spending uh, a little bit more time than he agreed to at the beginning, but you know, hopefully you found uh, a lot of his ideas on Jack Eichel, the the opinions uh, fascinating and you know i think we're gonna we're gonna get to quite a bit now surrounding the golden knights in this game against the toronto maple leafs as well we just found out not too long ago that there will be some players out of the lineup due to the nhl's covid protocol shay theodore nolan patrick nick Waugh have entered the covid protocol jake lissison Jonas ronberg and daniel miramanov have been recalled to the Vegas Golden Knights. So what will this lineup look like? Who's going to be paired up on defense? We're going to get to all that on the other side of the break. It's the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. I gotta start the segment, but I really don't want to. Holland Oats, Chapman, you know there's some like controversy surrounding the Toronto Maple Leafs and having that as their goal song. Oh no, I hope that doesn't mean that they're no, gonna no, have like, to change it. Like there's pushback from who? Like, t- Toronto fans, Toronto fans, some media, like they're not a fan of the Holland Oats um, goal song, and like I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like that's that's a perfect goal song because. Like, you score a lot. It makes you feel good. I, I mean, like, is there anything better than Hall & Oates? Like, no, legitimately. No, and, I don't and, think so. And the thing is, I'm, I'm 42 years old. I uh-huh. have I have heard that song probably for the better part of 35 <laughs> years. I don't, I don't know what year that song came out, but it doesn't matter because every single time I hear that song, I want to dance like I'm in a John Hughes movie from, like, 1988. Like, I, it, just, it just talks to me. It says, Chapman. You need to dance to this song. I, it's such a great song, and and you're right. It's so fitting for a goal song. Goal song. I want to go to Toronto and see a game, and when I do, I hope they score like seven goals so I could hear that song all night. So I, you're, you're you're saying you want to see Toronto score seven on Vegas because that's that's the only reason you travel for a game, right? Well, no, no. I mean, maybe okay. one day I'll take a, right. you know maybe maybe one year the Golden Knights will have a bye week at the same time that the Maple Leafs are hosting maybe like Ottawa or the Coyotes, and that's a good point. I'll, I'll, I'll take a trip to Toronto just for three or four days, and I'll go check out a game at, at Air. What is it? It's not even Air Canada Center anymore. I don't even know what it is, but uh, Bell something, I think. But uh, yeah, no, it's I mean, not Bell. No, everything is either Bell or or uh, Rogers. Scotia Bank something. Oh, Scotia Bank. Yeah, yeah. I could be wrong though. Uh, so, so you're you're on board with that goal song. You're on you're on board with Hall and Oates. I I would go as far to say as it's probably my favorite goal song. I don't agree with that. It's it's one it's up there for me, but I don't think it's like the best goal song in the league. I I do like the unfortunately the team doesn't score a lot of goals, especially at home. But <laughs> I, I I do like that the Coyotes play the uh, the Black Keys. Howling for you, that's a good one. Yeah, like I'm a big Black Keys guy. Um, I, I'm not putting the Coyotes up there because they don't <laughs> score enough. Yeah. What about um, what I think, about? I think, uh, 
Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea Dagger. Like, of course, <laughs> that, that's going to be one that, that haunts me for a long, long time. Uh, I'm not going with Chelsea Dagger. That's just not a thing. I love the song. I don't like it as a goal song. Um, Dallas Stars, to me, uh, it's Pantera. Pantera, and it's it's chanting, and it's perfect and beautiful and everything that a goal song should be. So I find it hard to move off of the Dallas Stars. Um, but, you know, for me, big Hall & Oates guy over here, It's it's got to be, like, I, I don't care. Any, any opinion on... Hall and Oates being a, a a dreadful goal song for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's just that's just wrong. They hate fun. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. 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 Y- Brian, y- McCorm- y- Brian McCormick's going to reach through the uh, the radio and punch me in the face. Wait, Brian McCormick? Oh, Brian. Yeah, he's he, not a fan. He doesn't you know, like he, it. I I I would almost be willing to bet. You know who else isn't a fan? Someone we work with who hates fun. Darren, who's not here to defend himself right now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I I don't think he likes it just because he's not. I don't think he likes Hall and Oates. Like I, I don't know what it is about Hall and Oates that that it elicits such a visceral reaction. It pushes reaction. people's buttons. Like it's just it's just good, like feel good music. I you, like you shouldn't take it any more seriously than a bunch of guys in the '80s that were just trying to make pop music. That's all it is. Yeah, I mean, and they had a lot of fun doing it. Like if you watch their oh, yeah. videos, like come on, like first of all, the their their version of Jingle Bell Rock is mm-hmm. one of the greatest Christmas songs ever. Yeah, uh, you know, and the video for it is great too. It's one of those where, where when you when MTV used to show videos every single year where they'd play that song at Christmas, yeah, I I would just stare at the television for three and a half minutes because I I, I was just mesmerized by it. You just completely derailed an entire segment because you played Hall and Oates. You know that, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just completely off the rails for me. Listen, people are driving around and they're 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 either in one of two camps. They're either totally on board with you and me in that Hall and Oates are awesome and they deserve their own segment, or they're in the camp of Brian McCormick and they want to drive off the road and and uh, maybe pick up a rock and throw it out in the desert because they're so angry that we're talking about Hall and Oates. So let's talk about some uh, some Golden Knights news and obviously, um, you know, obviously we're going to change the 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 tone of the program but uh, as as we mentioned in the first segment with Jesse Granger as we mentioned going to break the golden knights will be without Shea Theodore, Nolan Patrick, and Nick Waugh for tonight's game. All three players are in the NHL's COVID protocol. Jake LeCision, Jonas Ronbjerg, and Daniil Miramanov have been recalled. So here's the thing that I think is interesting, and Jesse Granger posed the question, um, what is the Golden Knights' defense going to look like? That's that's a big-time question here because you're without Alec Martinez, who um, is still trying to get back from injury but was also in COVID protocol earlier on in the week um and Nick Haig like there's there's really no time on when Nick Haig's going to to get back into the lineup so like as best as I could piece it together this is what the Golden Knights might look like tonight on the back end and this is me trying to spread around uh the the talent and spread around the 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 amount of of leadership and and the players that have been full-time NHL players for a while. So for me, it's Ben Hutton, Alex Petrangelo, Braden McNabb, Zach Whitecloud, and Daniil Miramanov with Dylan Coughlin. Like, that might be what the Golden Knights look like on the back end against a high-powered offensive Toronto team. Does that, is that worrisome for you, Chris Chapman? Yeah, I, I mean, look, the the fact that you're going to be without Shea Theodore is, is one of those things that right away is, is worrying. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, you, you you mentioned it with Jesse. You mentioned it again. Toronto is probably not the team you want to have a, a a patchwork blue line against because they, they do have the capability to put a lot of pucks in the back of the net. And, uh, you know, they haven't been 
here in a, in, in a couple of years, and the last time they were here, it was kind of a memorable game for uh, <laughs> a, a, a couple of reasons. No, I don't know if, if, you know, those guys, if their memory goes that far back, but um, certainly it, it, it's a fun game for them because they, they probably will have a lot of fans in attendance because they, they certainly, what I was told by, by one Toronto fan once is it was cheaper for them to fly from Toronto to Vegas for a couple of days and buy a ticket to a Golden Knights game at T-Mobile than it would was for them to buy tickets to go see the Maple Leafs in Toronto. So, uh, you know, I don't know how accurate that is, but that's what, what one fan told me one time, and uh, I'm going to stick with that. So, so they'll probably have a couple of fans in attendance tonight, so it, it, it could be fun for those guys. So for me, this is going to be one of those games where you lean, lean heavily on Alex Petrangelo. And, and as, as good as he has been all year long and as much of a, of, of a workhorse as he is, uh, you're, you're likely going to need 27 minutes tonight from Alex Petrangelo. And I would argue probably the same thing um, from Zach Whitecloud and Braden McNabb. Like that's going to be the three most heavily utilized defensemen for the Golden Knights tonight. And then you're going to have to spot in work for Daniil Miramanov. So when you look at the game kind of on the whole, right, like for the Golden Knights, if you're able to jump out, come out with the energy that you need early on in this game, you find a goal early and you can push Toronto to want to open things up, to to really accelerate things and you force them into, into some mistakes, have them chase the game, that's best case scenario. If, if you're chasing the game as the Golden Knights, then it's going to be a, a steady diet of Petrangelo um, and likely Zach Whitecloud. I mean, that, that's going to be kind of... The, the the main focus on defense for the Vegas Golden Knights. And, you know, for Petrangelo, I, I look at it and I say, this is one of those games where, you know, we fully understand and respect just how dominant of a player he can be on the back end, just how much he can control a game and really how much he can do by himself. And, and, and that's really kind of what you brought Alex Petrangelo in here to do. You, you look at him as a player that's a difference maker from the blue line. Oftentimes we look at Mark Stone and how he impacts the game in so many different ways. But at, Petrangelo is going to have to be great in his own zone. He's going to have to be great offensively. Um, and he's going to have to carry the load for this Golden Knights defense that's shorthanded. Yeah, and uh, I mean, obviously it's one of those things that's an emphasis every game. But if there was ever a game where you wanted to stay ahead of the penalty box, this is probably one, especially number three, because uh, you know you, you're going to need him on the ice as much as possible um, in, in a game like this because he he is your lockdown defender. So it's going to be very important, I think, for the Golden Knights to stay out of uh, the penalty box. Obviously, that's not like groundbreaking analysis by me, but there, there's there's a ton of emphasis on that tonight when you're when you are down a couple of defensemen like the Golden Knights are, and you're going to be throwing in a guy like Daniil Marimanov, who uh, maybe maybe you, you probably wouldn't feel comfortable having him out there uh, on the penalty kill. So uh, maybe maybe some power play minutes for him. But, you know, I, I, I think you're right. It's going to be a, a real interesting dynamic. I'm going to be curious to see how what, what, what the pairings look like because it's certainly going to be a, a unique situation for... Uh, Pete DeBoer, because I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of, of a situation this season where they've been short that many defensemen, but uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see. And, and you know, I, I, I think Zach Whitecloud could have himself a game tonight. Well, you saw how heavily the Golden Knights coaching staff leaned on Zach Whitecloud when Alex Petrangelo was out of the lineup in COVID protocol. And, and I think that it's essentially going to be the same thing here tonight. You've, you've got your big three in Petrangelo, McNabb, and uh, White Cloud, and then you're going to, you know, like 
Ben Hutton, to me, has been really good. Like, he got the goal for the Golden Knights against Chicago. He's been chipping in here and there offensively for whatever reason. Uh, you're talking about a player that, that has some confidence in the offensive zone. He's able to get shots through. Uh, I like Ben Hutton's game, and I think you're probably going to see him leaned heavily upon in this game, too. Yeah, I, I, I think that's accurate because, as you mentioned, he has he has played pretty well. And, and what's funny is it seems like all the players that they've picked up from the waiver wire have all contributed at some point in some way this season. And maybe this is Ben Hutton's opportunity to, to really shine because he's going to be thrown into a position where he's going to be, he's going to have to step up and, and, and play up in the, in the lineup. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be one of those games where for Ben Hutton, it's a real opportunity, I think to, to show this coaching staff that, Hey, I'm someone you need to think about when, when we are fully healthy and we get everyone back and, that includes Alec Martinez. I, I want my name on that list when, when you're sitting in the, the lineup every night. If you are just joining us, the Golden Knights will be without Shea, Theodore, Nolan Patrick, and Nick Waugh, all three players entering the NHL's COVID-19 protocols. Jake LeCision, Jonas Ronbjerg, Daniil Miramanov recalled. Uh, we would expect Miramanov for sure to be in, and we'll keep our eye on warm-ups later on to see what the Golden Knights are going to look like. Uh, this all on the same day that Jack Eichel skated with the Vegas Golden Knights for the first time. That's big-time news. We'll hear from Jack specifically in hour number two. We'll also chat with Darren Millard, who will join us at 5 o'clock. But up next, it's the play of the day right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Big thanks to Jesse Granger joining us in hour number one, chatting all things Jack Eichel. Big time news breaking during the show. Vegas Golden Knights without Shea Theodore, Nolan Patrick, or Nick Waugh for tonight's game, all in NHL's COVID-19 protocol. But right now, it is the VGK Insider Play of the Day. Take it away, Chris Chapman. All right, Colorado Avalanche and the Seattle Kraken last night. Kraken actually up in the third period in that one until Kale McCarr sends a shot through, through a bunch of traffic from the blue line. It hits the pipe, and Devon Taves is there to put the garbage in the bin. Bono was able to pound that puck into the ice. Swept by Cabri to the right corner in the car. Lines Taves. Back to Kale. A shimmy move and a shot. Off the post. Strike! Devon Taves cleans up on the near side. McCarr got it through. It rang off the iron. And Taves able to put it home for his seventh goal of the season. So Devon Taves having a, a solid year for the Colorado Avalanche. The only thing that bums me out about this is that it's not a Kale McCarr goal um, off of off of the absolute rocket. Like Kale McCarr is having himself an absolute monster season, and I, I'm just bummed out that it didn't result in a goal for him on that play. Yeah, it was. I mean, I can't believe he got it through all the traffic, and I just there's something about when you hear a puck hit the iron. It's just such a cool sound, and then of course Taze right there to put it to, to put it in. But that team, they're scary when they're clicking on all cylinders, mm -hmm. and they seem to be getting to that point where they're clicking on all cylinders. And I don't think it's out of. I, I don't think I'm crazy saying that Kale McCarr might be the best player on that team. No, you're not crazy. It's absolutely the the correct take. I, I think 
Nathan McKinnon is a monster for sure, but Kale McCarr has been the engine that has made that team go all year long. That is your VGK Insider Play of the Day. We're back with our number two. Darren Millard will be here with us on the other side of the break. We've got some tickets to give away in our number two, plus one-timers, all of that coming up next right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.